Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the New York Yankees, New York Football Giants, New York Knicks, and Harry Styles. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Jack, we're cutting the music. I know, we love Bayana. It is the greatest song in the world, and it keeps us upbeat. But to be honest, it's not a very upbeat night. I'll go to you first. Jack, how you feeling? Dylan, a year ago, you know, the New York Yankees suffered one of the most brutal losses in franchise history with their ace on the mound and the wild card. Fans pondering what would have happened if they had just won a single game extra against the Red Sox or any game in the regular season. And I sit before you tonight, having been embarrassed with your $43 million ace in the mound, your offense scoring, hitting, getting no runs, one hit against the San Diego Padres. It is a glorious night for those who drink the tears of the New York Mets fans. Dylan, how are you doing? All right. A lot of emotions. There's depression. There's sadness. There's anger. There's sort of the what's happening, fear of the unknown. There's the we're back in our comfort zone, and that is that the Mets disappointed us. It's a lot of different emotions that I'm sure we're going to cover over the next 10 to 15 minutes or however long we're going to do this. Jack, it's your call if you want to talk about those three other series first before we get into the Mets, and we acknowledge that there were three others. And for people who don't know yet, we're going to have an expert on for each of those three other individual series because we figured the Mets and Mets and Padres talk is going to be a lot of today's conversation. We're going to have a Padres beat reporter on tomorrow to talk about what happened with the Padres side of the series, as well as we're going to have a Phillies expert on. We're currently working on a Mariners expert, so we're going to try to give you perspectives from those four, or those three other series as well. But Jack, you're calling which direction you want to take this episode to begin. I think we'll start with, you know, the first team to clinch, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they had some pitching duels, inter- including Shane Bieber versus Shane McClanahan, and then a game that remained scoreless for, you know, f- nearly 15 innings before, you know, uh, taking taking out the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Guardians pitching looks uh, legit, but their offense really was non-existent besides a Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, two-run home run off, off McClanahan. Do you think that's enough to take out the Yankees, or do you think the offensive holes there – are, you know, are going to hold them back and, you know, not allow them to further their unexpected playoff run. Well, I really like the Guardians entering the playoffs so much so that I predicted them to win the World Series over the New York Mets. Nice. I think the whole thing that reason this approach, this team is going to do really well, and that's the pitching staff. Shane Beaver, Tristan McKenzie both showed how they can pitch well against a not great Tampa Bay race offense, but you know that that's a very scrappy team. Wander Franco, Yandy Diaz. G-Man Choi, but this concern is indeed the offense because as much as people like to hate on Garrett Cole, he's a good pitcher who can carve through a mediocre at best lineup. You also have Nestor Cortez. You also have Luis Severino. Those three guys, it wouldn't shock me if they go bing, bang, bong, and this Cleveland Guardians are gone if that offense doesn't wake up. However, Josh Naylor could find that short porch a couple times. Ahmed Rosario could return to New York's as well as Andres Jimenez and do well. But it all depends on if the Yankees pitching can dominate the Guardians lineup. And you're going to see 
Guardians of Great Pitchers. Aaron Judge is going to homer once, if not twice, over the course of the next four days. And it's going to be completely relying on the Yankees are going to get maybe two to three runs each game. And then the question is going to be, do the Guardians score zero or can the Guardians actually score four or five? That's pretty much how I'd sum up that upcoming series. Now, two teams you're very familiar are facing off after an unexpected comeback versus the St. Louis Cardinals. The two superior NL East teams, the Philadelphia Phillies and Atlanta Braves, are facing off in a literal division series. Uh, the the Braves are unsure if they'll be without, you know, arguably their best pitcher. See Harry Kilman, uh, why why he explains he is their best pitcher, Spencer Strider, as the Phillies, you know, the two one two punch of Wheeler and Nola really dominated the Cardinals. What's your take on the series, having experience watching both teams over the course of the season, and who do you think will be victorious? The Phillies are a solid team. Bryce Harper looks lost in those first in the first game of the series. He did hit a home run in game two. I'd be stunned if the Braves don't steamroll them in three, if not four games. The Braves are just better defensively. The Braves are just better offensively. The Braves have a solid bullpen. And even if Spencer Strider, who I think they said they're uncertain if he's still going to pitch as of the time of recording this on Monday morning, they still have Max Fried, Charlie Morton, solid pitchers that they're going to throw at you. And I would be stunned if the Phillies can pull off the upset and defeat the Atlanta Braves. Now, the Seattle Mariners against the Houston Astros, I think, We'll keep it brief to get to our main attraction, but Seattle, they come off an improbable game to to uh, overcome an 8-1 to deficit. Is this team good enough to overcome the team who many like people, uh, I think yourself, uh, not yourself included because you said the Indians, but many people had winning the AL. Are the Mariners good enough to, to overcome the Astros? Well, if you check out the brand new side retired TikTok account, you will see one of my bold predictions from the playoffs, and that was that James Click is getting fired by the Houston Astros. After the Astros are eliminated in round one, I initially thought this would be by the Toronto Blue Jays, but I guess I'm going to have to go with that the Mariners defeat the Houston Astros with no real factual basis behind it because I thought this was going to be the Blue Jays Astros, but instead in order to remain consistent, I will say that the Mariners defeat the Astros, Julio Rodriguez, great series, as well as don't sleep on the Mariners rotation, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, a couple solid young pitchers there. Astros are going to be a tough juggernaut as always in the playoffs, and it wouldn't shock me even though I'm going with the Guardians and Mariners win, would not shock me in the slightest that the Yankees and the Astros face off once again. Now, Dylan, finish this sentence that I've been bombarded with during my daily commute through Grand Central Station. These Mets... Disappointed. These Mets underachieved. These Mets didn't do enough at the trade deadline. These Mets continue to give us optimism even when there shouldn't be. These Mets are going to have an overhaul this offseason. These Mets still have the richest owner in baseball. These Mets still have one of the best pitchers in baseball in Max Scherzer. These Mets still have the most money to spend in baseball this offseason. However, these Mets will likely be without their ace, their closer, their starting center fielder, and the rest of their starting rotation next offseason or next season. I don't know. That for, from the beginning, that phrase saying like it was going to set us up for some either it was going to be like, these Mets are the champions. These Mets are great. These Mets are, I think the key word that they were going for, and this is the word that the Mets have stressed since Steve Cohen has taken over, that this is a new Mets and they're going to be different from the past. So I think they were going for these Mets are different. Or how about these Mets? It's the same old Mets. I think we'll start with the uh, the first uh, description you gave, disappointing, underachieved. 
I think there's a lot of land to go around. I think there's several players you could assign it to. But if you had to pick, I'll use the old definition of this word, GOAT, the player who was, you know, the the one who many of whom would assign the most blame for the three-game series. Who is that to you? And uh, what's your reasoning considering, uh, you know, I think there's several players you could list that fit this description. It's the guy that made not 40, not 41, not 42, but $43 million to be the richest player in baseball this season. And that's Max Scherzer, because in the two starts he had this year, he came up extremely small. That was in Atlanta, and that was this weekend against San Diego. Now he's already started making excuses about his oblique. I don't want to hear it. No excuses. I'm actually going to look at this, Jack. You ready for this? I'm going to commend Garrett Cole, because as much as everyone said his hamstring was an issue, and that's why he stunk against Boston, did Garrett Cole ever mutter those words? Nope. Nope. Garrett Cole never said not once that his hamstring hurt him. It was rumored around. It was leaked around. Yankee fans like yourself would use it as the excuse as to why he was bad that performance. But Garrett Cole himself, as much as he's had his press conference blunders, and trust me, he has, never muttered, oh, it's my hamstring that caused me to underperform. Max Scherzer, before his start against, I think it was after his Atlanta start, but before his San Diego start, it came out where he's like, oh, I'm just trying to grind through the season. My oblique's still not right, and I'll reset this offseason. That was the excuse written on the wall before he even took the ball on Friday that if things go wrong, it's because of this. And that's not what an ace does. Is Max Scherzer an ace? Yes. He's still an ace of baseball. Maybe he's not top two. Maybe he's not top three. But I think it's hard to say that he's not a top 10 pitcher in baseball. He's a decent guy. He's a solid pitcher. Maybe not worth 43 and Jacob deGrom's probably smiling to the bank saying, Max Scherzer made $43 million this year to do that in the Friday start. Imagine what I'm going to get, $50 million. Let's, let's go to work, Jake. And we'll talk, I'm sure there will be other episodes where we talk about the Mets offseason, who's going to stay, who's going to go. For right now, let's focus on these days. It's Max Scherzer. And then in part, it's not one player to sign. It's just the offense who's not named Jeff McNeil because everyone else came up small in the Atlanta series or in these three games against the San Diego Padres. Now, I think yeah, you're right that we have so much playoff baseball to talk about. Probably best to not fixate on what's next. But I think I think it's worth to note, if you had to pick one player, it could be a free agent, could be someone who's on the trading block, someone not on the trading block, who is someone who either just over the past three games, maybe they're uh, over the past season, who is someone from this lineup that you are ready to move on from and someone that you think is someone that needs to go to make, you know, to eradicate this notion of this is still the same old Mets team. Well, the problem is, and it's not a huge problem, the only free agent from the starting lineup is Brandon Nimmo. And he was one of the, if not the most productive hitter in this lineup. Would I be opposed to Brandon Nimmo going? It would be really tough to swallow because, as I mentioned before we started recording, he's one of those first guys. It was him and Michael Conforto that I saw get drafted back when I was in middle school. And he's now developed into a star player. And it was tough to watch Conforto go. And technically, he's still out there with no home. It would be really hard to see Brandon Nimmo play center field for another team because we've seen him grow into a very solid player. So I don't know if there's one guy in particular that I'd say, got to get him off the team because I don't think you're trading Pete. You're not trading Lindor. You're not trading McNeil. We're not getting crazy. Francisco Alvarez is going to take over at catcher. So I guess we'd love to see James McCann go. But at the same time, you know, Alvarez is here already. There's not that much to change. I'm not even going to get into Aaron Judge. That's a pipeline dream, Mets fan. It's not happening. Aaron Judge is not switching town, and he's going Queens. Get that out of your head. 
Aaron Judge isn't coming, but this Mets team, the pro- these Mets, there it is again, these Mets, I don't think it's a problem of who's here. It's just this team could have been better. And that starts from the trade deadline in acquiring Daniel Vogelbach, Tyler Naquin, who didn't even make the playoff roster, Darren Ruff, who had one extra base hit in two and a half months. Let me get that. He had one extra base hit in two and a half months with the Mets. And those were your big offensive additions. And they all underperformed each and every single one of them. So it's not an individual guy that needs to go, but it's more what needs to come and get added to this team. These Mets. Your your play your rotation currently. You I mean, granted, this is kind of like a, a cherry pick stat because you had several people close, but you only had one qualified starter, which is you know you have 162 innings pitched, average one inning per game. Chris Bassett, uh, Chris uh, Max Scherzer, Carlos Carrasco, Tywin Walker came close, but you only had one uh, qualified starter. Who do you think is an internal option? You know, you uh, maybe you mentioned Tyler McGill, David Peterson. Who's someone who you think from internally? that can step up and add to this rotation, you know, because I think we saw uh, several pitchers I actually thought was running, but I thought Trevor May looked very good today. Peterson looked all right well uh, as well. So definitely some solid options and you know that they're going to be adding externally as well. But what do you think in terms of the, the self-promotion and internal options for the, the future of the Mets? Well, the Mets rotation takes an interesting turn this week or this upcoming offseason that five of the guys, that you relied on this past season. That's DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, and Taiwan Walker. Four of those five are going to be free agents. Scherzer's the only one that's remaining, and there's a huge health issue. So realistically, I think you can pencil Scherzer into the rotation. He's going to be there. He's going to be healthy by opening day. The two guys you just mentioned, Tyler McGill and David Peterson, both proved they could be solid back into the rotation starting pitchers, and I would be fine if coming spring training in March, you have Peterson McGill battling for the fifth rotation spot and then that makes three spots available this offseason will hinder on the fact that jacob de a free agent and whether he resigns or whether he leaves i would throw him and i know a couple episodes we killed de and said he came up small and get him off the team is as much as the emotions are flowing right now with the mets getting eliminated jacob de has to be brought back at all costs whether that's three years 150 four years 200 four years, 160, whatever that number is, he's the best pitcher on the planet. I'm not speaking hyperbole, am I? He's the best pitcher on the planet. It's not, you're right. He's by, especially on a per rate basis, I think people point to like that 308 (laughs) ERA when, you know, someone like analogous to Garrett Cole, someone he's commonly compared to, you know, sometimes unfairly to Cole's on behalf. But his home run to fly ball ratio is 17%. League average is is 11. And, you know, that's partially... Um, you know, maybe that's poor pitch selection at times. You know, he does have uh, a very, as one of our brilliant analysts, but a very fast fastball that players, when they barrel it up, it goes a long way over the fence. So, yeah, when he he might, is a merchant to expect that stats, especially those that factor in home to fly ball ratio. But that's also a factor of luck. Um, you know, sometimes it's just you, mo- you have wall scrapers that just get over. So he is going to be still the best pitcher on a rate basis, without a doubt. A 2-2-4 expected ERA, a 2-1-3 fifth. A one five four x fit, you know, he's fantastic. He simply is the best pitcher. But the the matter is, I said per rate basis very intentionally. You have no idea how many innings he's going to pitch. I think before the season, I was pretty adamant saying, like, he's never had long-term injury concerns before last year, so you cannot assume. This year is very eye-opening to that. You know, 2020, he was healthy, but it's a shortened season. 2021, he wasn't healthy. This year, he wasn't healthy. So he hasn't pitched significant innings since 2019. 
So are you going to be willing to shell out $50 million yes. for that? Like, I think, yes. I think the answer for the Mets has to be yes, because the matter is you're either going to get someone who's worth $80 million and you're paying him 50 or someone who's you're paying $50 million and maybe is worth 20 because he's the best pitcher on the planet for two months of the year. And that who knows if that correlates well and that aligns perfectly with when you need him in October. And so Mets we, fans, I'm just going to say, the Mets fans need to remember, I know I just went on a rant about these Mets are the same old Mets. That's the one difference in that Steve Cohen isn't afraid to spend. I think we saw that way back when Robinson Cano got cut back in March or in May, I think it was. And they still owed him $50 million. And Steve just said he didn't help the team. I'll eat the bullet on $50 million. If you're going to pay Cano $50 million. You're going to pay Jake $50 million because you know when Jake's healthy, he's going to perform for you. So I don't think Mets fans need to worry about Jacob DeGrom's contract and saying, oh, that's too expensive. That's going to handicap us on the rest of the stuff we can do this offseason. Jake's his own category, just like a hypothetical pursuit of Aaron Judge's own category. I don't think the Mets have to say, it's Jake or we bring back Bassett and Cookie. The new Mets, these Mets, look at this, a positive usage of these Mets. These Mets can afford any player they want. I think you're fair with your DeGrom assumption, but I think it has to be noted that, you know, there was an analysis done that if the Mets were to bring back everyone, which Steve Cohen said he wanted to do, especially if they didn't make the World Series, he didn't mention anything about not making the Divisional Series. Yeah. So what would be, it would cost about $350 million. You know, Adovino's is going to be due for a big raise. Edwin Diaz is going to be due for a monumental raise, probably going to be the largest uh, long-term and per, per year value a, a closer has ever made in the history of the game. So you, it looks very improbable that the Mets are able to sign everyone, not only just because of the sheer number of free agents, but also because of their extremely demanding cost. So Jacob deGrom certainly is one that it's very easy to make a case as to why they need to bring him back as you just did. But the problem is give, shelling out that money, devoting the resources, the time it takes, because you know his sweepstakes are going to include the Atlanta Braves, the Los Angeles Dodgers, likely the I Los don't, Angeles Here's my, can I make a bold prediction? Sure, yeah, go ahead. I think Jake gets done before the playoffs are over. All right, you're here. I, it's, on, it's on side retired now. Maybe, not, right. okay, maybe like, I'll change it. I think he's one of the first free agents <laughs> to sign because I think Stevie goes to him and says, what do you want? And I think it's as simple as give me two years, a hundred, and they call it a deal. I think Jacob Degrom is the first big free agent to get signed, if not even doesn't even reach free agency. I like getting him early because we saw that with Verlander last year. I think they're kind of in a similar situation where they're going to be probably high, much higher AAV for Degrom than Verlander, but lesser years. I will. I'll follow you up with another prediction. I'm not hundred percent sure the Mets to get Degrom just because of one. I thought he was until a couple weeks ago. When it seemed like the injuries were still persisting, it looked like they brought it, they were slightly of concern in Atlanta. I don't think there was any really, you know, kind of injure uh, injury concern at all in this past playoff start. But I think they get two of Jacob Degrom, Carlos Rodon, or Justin Verlander. They are going to improve that rotation significantly, and getting either any two of those guys, regardless of what combination you should you see fit, greatly improves a Mets rotation that is, is in need of premier starters. Did you just say DeGrom, Verlander, and Rodon? Two, two, two of those three, yeah. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. Look at that. Jack is actually making me happy on the night the Mets were eliminated from the playoffs. I will say, though, we have two guys who have made guest appearances on Side Retired in the past. They're going to do these sort of like call-ins at the end of the episode to sort of give their quick hot take on what just transpired. 
We did this last episode where David Halpert, the previous mystery man, gave his bold prediction for the playoffs. Today, we're going to welcome on Danny Math, who is at City Field during Game 3, as well as Jonas Guerriere, who is the, the Yankees fan of the two opinions. Danny, I'll throw it to you first. Mets funeral, I guess that's what this episode sort of is. How you feeling? Yeah, you know, I traveled halfway across the country to watch these Mets. Um, I was so ecstatic. I went I went to game two and three. After game two, I felt like I was on top of the world, you know. Um, and then tonight, on the other hand, it's just it's just rock bottom. I think these Mets are the only team in the world that could just sway my emotions like they have. So with with that said, I think all I can do now is just look forward to next year, as always. There's always next year as a Mets fan. We always have next year to look forward to. Jonas, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, oh, thank you. <laughs> as a non-Mets fan, I'm not really um, affected by this whole Mets thing. I mean, I have a ra- rather random, irrational dislike of the Padres, so I would have loved it if you guys beat them. But, you know, the Yankees are still in it, so really not super, super down about that. Um, I do like the fact that the Guardians won. I thought they were a slightly easier point than the Rays uh, for us because I just don't like the playing the Rays. Tropicana is a nightmare and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a shame the Mets lost, but kind of, again, you do have next year. But, yeah. By the way, we've gone almost 20 minutes in, and we will – Probably call it a quits. Jack, I haven't asked to touch your earlobes, your ear yet, to see if there's any Vaseline or sticky stuff on it yet because our offense only had one hit over six innings and we needed desperation and tried to figure out just what Joe Musgrove was cheating or not. Which, by the way, people online are criticizing, and Gary Cohen's one of those guys that's saying Buck Showalter embarrassed himself by checking Joe Musgrove. I don't, maybe I'm just an irrational Mets fan. I don't mind him saying, just go take a look at that because there's no harm in searching. Plus, even if there was nothing, and we'll retweet this video on the side of tired Twitter where it looks like Joe Musgrove might have wiped off the stuff. He might have touched his ear. There's definitely some suspicious stuff. I know his curveball RPMs were up 300. What's the spins? I don't, I don't know what the RPMs. Yeah, he's up, up 300 RPMs. There we go. Statistics dealing. Nice analytics coordinator for Georgetown for nothing. Um, I don't yeah, find any harm in asking. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's certainly not Bush League on Buck, especially considering the game was slipping away. You know, if this guy does, if there is a chance that he can be thrown out for that, that would be huge for the Mets because I don't think the Padres would be able to warm anyone up. Yeah. So that is definitely like you got to give, you got to give, allow him to do that. You know, he's in every right, especially because if you just look at the clip, you know, you see some shiny thing on his ear, you know, that does raise some questions. I will say though, I don't think Musgrove was doing anything beyond what we've seen a norm this year because i think there's certainly a widespread continuation of the sticky stuff despite you know the crackdown maybe like you know the half-hearted checks by the empires um you know there's certainly pictures on the mets certainly pictures on the padres the yankees dodgers brewers astros whoever you want to name who have used the sticky stuff and i think it's you know to say that it gave the padres an advantage or the reason they won tonight i think that's you know uh, a pretty extreme assertion but, you know, when you're having a guy who has that kind of stuff, who might be having a click of going to his ear, uh, people are going to put two and two together and assume he's cheating. I won't I'm not going to say I think Joe Musgrove was cheating. I don't think it's it's fair to him. It's fair to the game. And certainly that move he did after the, they proved that he didn't have or the umpire said he didn't have anything is very I, I love that. So, 
And his his post game claiming that, oh yeah, you know, they just tried to get me out of the game because they couldn't hit me is certainly every he has every right to say that, and as much as Buck had every right to check. Oh yeah, if after the game is over and they've defeated us, all free range in the world, you defeated the Mets, you get to trash the Mets because we've learned there's a lot of trash talking in baseball. We're all for it here at Side Retired, even if it comes at the effect, at the expense of our favorite teams. So unless there's anything else you want to throw in, obviously there will be more about the Mets offseason when we get there at the end of the playoffs. For now, we're going to have a couple episodes, as we mentioned, in the next couple of days, where we're going to be interviewing team-specific guys to talk about what just happened in the wild card, as well as what to look forward to in the divisional series. We have a Padres guy coming on. We have a Phillies guy coming on. Nash Walker, who is on the Locked on Twins podcast, who we had a couple of months ago to talk about the trade deadline. He's going to talk to us to talk about what went wrong with the Minnesota Twins because that team was expected to go high hopes and they ended up not even making the playoffs, as well as a couple really special fun guests that will continue to give their unique perspectives on the game of baseball, as well as a bunch of cameo experience uh, talks from a lot of the guys that you've heard in the past, including Jonas, Danny, and a lot of other guys popping in as the Yankees continue to make their playoff run over the next month or so, or the next week, depending on if you guys get smacked by the Cleveland Guardians. But that's a story for another day. Mets funeral. This is the last time you'll hear us talking about the Mets until November 1st. I'm going to put it down, Jack. We do not mention uh, the words New York Mets until November 1st, unless... Uh, Caveat. Sorry, Dylan, we're not talking about the New York Mets. <laughs> I'm saying caveat, if we have a guest on, which we are working on behind the scenes, that's going to have a very uh, interesting. Uh, that's one way to put it. He's going to have an interesting take on the Mets getting eliminated in the wild card series. So that'll be the one exception, but the New York Mets will not be mentioned on this podcast until November 1st. Wow. I can't, I can't believe they've actually lost. They're done. The New York Mets did not even play in the divisional series. Now the you're first to watch every the team that eliminated you, the teams you hate, they celebrate, they keep playing primetime baseball. Thanks, Jack. In the game you I, I I've been an expert on my team being eliminated in the playoffs in recent years. So <laughs> you're talking to a pro, and then you want to go to the offseason right now. Fast forward, oh, who are we going to get? But you have to wait another month for the offseason to begin, and then another month for players to actually sign, and then another <laughs> two months for them to play. And then you got to wait a month for the season to get underway. And then eventually it just picks up so you're back in the heart of playoff baseball and get your heart broken again. So, you know, yeah. we're going to go optimism. There is no lockdown this offseason. So we will have, Very true. Up, except Very true. that means we might have to wait until January for guys to sign instead of before the lockdown deadline. Right. No Positivity. Come on. Ending on a good note. The Mets are done. Lots of good baseball left. Shout out to Seth Lugo, who has been a great member of the New York Mets since he came up in 2016, who made three consecutive playoff appearances. He pitched on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which, fun fact, was the first time in his major league career where he pitched on three consecutive days, leaving it all out there for the New York Mets, a great Met for the last seven years. Shout out to friend of the pod, Vicky Lugo, who is always great with interacting with us on Twitter in the DMs, as well as all of that fun stuff. Really hoping Seth Lugo comes back. If I had to bring back one Met, Besides not named Jacob DeGrom, it would be Seth Lugo. But for Dylan and Jack, as well as a special thanks to Jonas and Danny for hopping on with us on this one. Until the next time, the side is retired.